honest people will answer honest questions. That would seem to stand to reason that if you ask an honest question with no biased intentions behind it, that the person who's also honest in that same spirit will want to answer the question as best they can. And sometimes an honest answer even includes saying, I don't know, because you don't always know the answer to everything. And that's okay. People who try to pretend that they know the answer to everything are the ones that you want to stay away from. Because they'll give you wrong answers and answers that you might repeat elsewhere, thinking this person was correct and not understanding that you're spreading misinformation now. So why am I thinking about this? Well, there's lots of reasons, and some of them take a bit of explaining. I guess, in general, I'll explain one thing. I've seen a lot of groups of trolls online recently, I guess. It's a good way to put it. These people are obviously friends, and they show up on news posts trying to influence things politically. They have a political agenda, and they work together behind the scenes, probably communicate in private messages, and then go online onto some news post about a political event or person, and try to promote their narrative of that event or that person. In this case, actually, it was a person, because there's different political parties. We recently had an election in my city, and there's different sides, as always, in politics, of course. And these people thought they would try their best to sway public opinion. Some of those things are things that I had a pretty serious interest in. So when I was observing these people, and I kind of, maybe I'm bad, because I, I almost see it like an experiment. So when I go onto these posts, sometimes I think, oh, here's these people, what are they talking about? And I examine the words they've used and the things they're trying to represent. And then I look at other people and I say, oh, they mentioned the same kind of thing. This person's supporting this other person. They seem to like all their comments and every single thing that they talk about, they're, they're there to back them up. And then they tag other people and call them to the post. And some of those people actually in this one were sort of somewhat uh, well-known public figures, at least in my city, who had done some TED Talks and stuff. And I had heard a lot about them. Uh, from the leftist point of view, that the people that I'm talking about, actually, the one who did the TED Talk anyway, was someone who was supposed to be a, a big name, important, very inclusive, very left-leaning, very spread-the-rainbow-flag-everywhere kind of an idea, you know, where everybody's welcome and they just want to stand up for you and they want to help. But they'd been challenged to a debate by someone else that I know, and they kept trying to put this thing off. They, they don't want to have this debate. And I was thinking, well, this person is well-known. They, they're a public speaker. Why don't they want to talk to someone who is challenging them to a debate on their issues. And this person came on because they were called by other people. They were tagged to this post. 
and all these people are banding together and trying to distract from, well, trying to distort to their way of thinking and trying to make it seem like they're not all really together, just like they're random people, so that people will say, well, look at all these different individuals who are for this cause, and so maybe we should rethink our, our way of doing things here. I decided after observing them for a while, especially this one person who was a well-known speaker, who had turned down my other friend for a debate, I had decided I would, I would go and try to, like I said, I'm bad, because I, I like to do experiments sometimes, and I thought I'll, I'll test these people out a little bit, especially that one guy. Let's see how he responds if I try to debate him a little bit on what things I think. So I went in there, and of course, all the people started, you know, attacking me. And I used to let that kind of thing get to me sometimes because it's hard when a bunch of people are against you and they're all calling you names and that. But in this case, I thought, well, if I, I have my points and and if I'm strong in my points, I'll keep to those. And if they can disprove them in some way or find a better information to uh, show me that I'm wrong, then that's okay. I mean, I'm not hard and fast in things that I, that I believe if I get better evidence. It's not a religion for me. But for them, what I saw, that a lot of it actually was like a religion for them. And I found it very interesting because when, when you would talk to these people, especially this guy who was supposedly a well-known public speaker, and you drill down to the real points of the basis of what he was saying and get to some hard questions, he would instantly pack it up, wouldn't respond. In, in fact, his trademark signature thing was he would give you a smile emoji or actually a laugh emoji as a, as a going away present, so to speak. So he'd, you'd, you'd say some points and he'd, he'd say, oh, this is okay. I don't want to, I don't have any answer for this, or I don't want to deal with this or whatever. And he'd just give you a, a laugh emoji and sort of depart the scene. And I found it hilarious, actually. Uh, some things he would do also was he would post something, call someone a racist or something. And then when you'd say, what do you, how do you know this person is racist? Do you have proof? Oh, he would say, well, just, just look online. You'll see. No, I would say, I don't want to look online. I want you to tell me because you made this accusation. Anytime you're going to call someone a racist, you should really have proof to back it up because that's a serious accusation. Racist, Nazi, those words get thrown around a lot and you really should try to back it up. But what would he do? He would just delete the whole thread that he was on so that you couldn't find it anymore, and he would just sort of run away. And I was thinking, this guy is a well-known speaker and supposed advocate. He says he's an advocate for trans rights, which is, as some of you might know, something that I've been seriously looking at for a long time. And I guess I should explain some of those things that I've been thinking. It's so you don't get the wrong idea. I'm not against trans people or trans rights. That can be misconstrued sometimes because it's hard to explain all the information and data that you started to consider and why you've come to your reasoning. What I am against is teaching young children in school that they can switch their sex 
anytime they want and that they should be encouraged to take hormones and have surgery to do that. I don't know about you, whoever is listening, but I think to me that seems just wrong, especially when they're really young. Some people are advocating that, say, a 10-year-old, is it's a good time to start getting some hormones and puberty blockers so that they can start to have a transition to another sex. And even there's an inherent problem in that because transition to another sex, I don't really understand what they mean. And like I say, I'm open to new ideas. I'm putting this out there because this is what I see right now. And I could be wrong, and I'm willing to be challenged and willing to learn if I'm wrong. But I don't see how you can change to another sex. There's generally, except for some outliers, there's generally two sexes, male and female. We have the chromosomes to prove it. And to me, it's kind of an affront to biology, If you're, and also a misinformation if you're telling children that they can just transform instantly to another sex. Also, the thing that I don't like is this program in school where they're teaching kids that they can do this, and they're telling them all the sunshine and the rainbows of it, how it's so good, you can just transform, become this other person, take the hormones, everything's fine. But it's not fine. Because I know other people, and there's things online you could look up, where people have had this surgery or had these hormones, and when they got older, they regretted doing that. Now, that's not going to be the case with everyone, but my concern is when you teach sex education in school, you teach kids that there's a good side to sex and there's a downside. There's STDs, there's HIV, there's pregnancy. So when you teach these other things in school about gender identity, why are they only teaching the good side? Why are they just saying, well, if you think you're a boy when you're a girl, you can transition and everything's fine. Everything's great. Likely this podcast will get me into some trouble for mentioning these things, but I'm not trying to be a hater. I hope you understand that. I'm trying to ask questions, and wherever those questions lead me, like any good journalist might say, you have to go by the facts that you find and see where they lead you. You can't try to alter the facts and lead yourself to some preconceived place that you wanted to go. So this is a debate that I have with these people online. They really don't like that I ask questions about this sort of doctrine. And the big question they don't like me to ask the big question that shuts down everything seems to be what age do you think it's good for children to start taking hormones? How young do you want to go? Now, in private, you'll see them talking about, say, 10 years old, 8 years old, very young. But in public, they know that's a hot-button topic with parents. If you if you say, oh, I think 10 years old is a good age to start giving these kids some chemicals and drugs so that they can transition, and these drugs might have the side effect of uh, sterility, but hey, that's, that's all right. You know, 10 years old, 
not much consultation, just as long as they think that they need that, then we have to support their decision. If you say that, even though people like them believe that, if you say that online or wherever you say that, that's going to be a big question for a lot of people because it doesn't sound right. You're going to give your 10-year-old drugs to change them into a different sex. What are you talking about? That's what I see anyways. So this guy that I was trying to debate with, I was testing out not only who he is as a person, but I wanted to see what arguments he had to back up what he said. And like I said, I, I wasn't doing that because I wanted to show him up and prove him wrong and, hey, look how good I am. I was doing that because I, I genuinely sometimes I want to see if I'm wrong. They're in there and even the, the mere fact of me asking questions gets all sorts of replies from their troll group of bigot, transphobe, hater. And I'm here thinking, I'm only asking questions. Why can't you answer simple questions if everything you have is so concrete? And that gets back to the point that I originally mentioned. If, if what you have is true and you're honest, and that's the truth that you have at least revealed to you at that moment, you should have no problem with an honest question. So when you see people dodging questions, telling you they won't talk because they find you offensive in some way, even though you didn't say anything wrong, but generally trying to get out of things, that should be a red flag. You should really think, why, why won't they answer the question? Why do they try to distract? And sometimes you see that too, where, well, you see this a lot with politicians, for sure, where someone asks one thing, and before you know it, they've tried to alter the path of the conversation and take it down a whole new direction. And I saw this with some of these people too, where you'd ask one simple thing, and they would make this huge explanation related to something else, and in the end, somehow you're now a bigot. And what they really didn't like was when you would take it back off that and say, look, I don't care about all those things you just mentioned. I don't even care about your insult towards me because that really doesn't bother me. And that's not the point anyway. Back to the question. And I kept focusing it on the question. And that point was what they really didn't what they really didn't want to talk about. So I guess it's good advice when you're debating with someone and you want to see how honest they are. If you ask a direct question and if they try to sidestep, that's a red flag right there. But if you want to really get down to it, keep going back to that thing you asked. And if they cannot answer that, and they try to make up excuses why not, then really I guess you don't have to change the thing that you were thinking because you haven't found any better evidence. For me, if I were to ask those people the question, whatever it was, and they were to answer directly, 
and their answer was so well put or so well fact-based that it proved my question or my assumption wrong, I would have to concede and say, yeah, you showed me something better. I can't really argue with that. That not being the case, I cannot change the way that I was thinking because no one gave me any better information. Calling people a, a bigot or other names, it doesn't really change anything. That's just a smoke and mirrors. So I guess what I'm telling everyone out there who's listening is that when you want to get to some truth, search it out for yourself, see where you get, and okay, now you're somewhere. So now put it out there. Here's what I have come to through looking into things, through my own logic. Let's put it out there and have it get challenged. And if the challengers come at you and they give you better info and they can convince you with it, good. You can alter your points and you can get to a different place. And you should always be ready to do that. You should always be willing to change. Because if you get stuck, you're basically making that into a, a dogma or a doctrine for yourself. And that's not really a good thing. But if the people that try to come at you can't give you anything better and in fact try to distract into different regions, then keep with what you have. Because you haven't found anything better. And I hope that more people would think like that in a way because if we're all on this quest for truth and we're going to be out there and we're going to be trying to have some reasonable, reasonable debate so that we can understand things better, that's a good way to go. But if you're out there because you want to one-up someone else and you want to yell and get some accolades from your side so that all your friends in the background will say, look how good you did, good boy, good girl, that's not going to help anything. We have this problem in the world right now, in our part of the world anyways, where people are just yelling and screaming at each other. And like these people that I'm mentioning, trying to shut down critical thought and open debate. And we even see the social media platforms doing this by censoring certain voices. I read an article today where it said Facebook will try to basically shut down conversation that leads to people talking about uh, being against vaccination. And I'm not against vaccination, but I don't know that it's Facebook's job to come in there and shut down conversations by people who are against vaccination. I think that in the marketplace of ideas, you can come together in there and by facts and research, if you can do your homework, maybe with bad ideas, you can shut them down using logic, using debate as a tool, instead of having someone nanny you, so to speak, and censor your, your content so that you just don't see those things. It's, it's a problem I see in a lot of the world where people are just in an information bubble 
in a friend zone where everyone is telling the same things. And then when they go out somewhere and get challenged, their only reply is just that you must be a this or that name. You're a racist. You're a Nazi. You're that is not a logical response. And you don't want to throw those words around because those words have meanings and those meanings have real applications for people who actually are like that. And when you misuse those words, you lower their effectiveness for the people who really are those things. So we're, we're losing a lot sometimes in the world with, with the way we debate or the way that we, more accurately, the, the way that we self-censor content so that we don't have to see things or be exposed to things that might challenge us. I think we should all try to challenge ourselves. We should all look for new ideas. We shouldn't be complacent. Personally, I get very bored if, if I'm just stuck in one place. So I always try to look for new things and talk to new people. And I, I get into debates sometimes and I, some people don't like me, but it's okay. Not everyone's going to like you. The thing is that you at the core are searching for truth. And I think if you're doing that, all the labels won't stick on you. If you have a question that's contrary to what the world might be telling you, and they use a, a label or a name to try to demean you, well, if you're really searching for truth, it, it can't really stick on you and offend you too much because you know you're not that. And if someone else wants to use that and make you out to be that, then... That's their problem because you know where you really are coming from. And what I found is that also, for instance, in these, in this news story that I was chatting with all these people on, there was people who were sort of in the background. They didn't have a big troll group where everyone was all slapping each other on the back and saying how righteous they were. They were just people who had opinions and when they saw people like me, and there was a few other people who would come out as well and challenge this group of people, they were glad that someone was actually there and they would come out as well and they would start to speak up. So this one post that we had was, was very interesting and a good experiment. I guess these people didn't know that I was using it as an experiment, like I say. I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I'm really bad. I just use that as an analogy, but you know what I mean. I, I don't think some people know that I'm doing that. They just think this is a real debate. This person is someone I'm against. I'm going to argue with him. But I'm analyzing the way they do things. And it teaches me things. You can get to truth in a lot of different ways. You can analyze people, the way they talk the way they try to profess their points of view. You can let other people who are maybe wiser than you instruct you and teach you something new. But the key, and I guess I've talked for a while now, I'd like to leave it with today, is that you're, as long as you're searching for truth in the world, as long as you're looking for something that's going to enlighten you and make you better, 
you can't really go wrong. And you might run into some obstacles because that's what's going to happen. People are not always going to agree with you. But change when things are presented to you that are better than what you have. And don't change when people are not giving you the full story or trying to distract. And learn how to see through people who are trying to mislead you as well. Because that will take you off the path of the truth that you're looking for. And that truth is not one set, fixed destination. Try to go where the facts lead you. Try to go with what is really in your own conscience. Don't get distracted by people telling you, you can't believe this, you can't say this. That's too much of this kind of thing in the world these days that we, that we hear all the time. And it's the reason people get off track, because they listen and they don't want to offend. Sometimes you need to offend. Sometimes you need to say what you really mean. Maybe not sometimes. Maybe you need to say what you really mean almost all the time. And that's a good way to be. So I hope that in some way my experience here has been informative. It's been a while since I've done a podcast. And I thought I should probably try to get back into it because I don't want to get complacent and lazy and just come home and watch Netflix every night. So there it is. I hope you might have gotten something out of it. And I hope that we all together try to search out that truth and get better and better.